Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus and transform Hoxton. Good morning. Before I begin, let's pray. Lord God, in the power of your spirit, would you open our hearts to come follow Jesus. Amen. How many of us feel uncomfortable when we hear the passage we heard read? Especially when it's coming in the series of an invest campaign. That's what the postcards are you will have seen floating around um, on your seats nearby. But what's this encounter all about between Jesus and this rich young ruler? Is Jesus giving a blanket commandment that everyone has to sell everything they have and give it away and become destitute themselves? Is Jesus saying the only way we can have eternal life is effectively by buying it, by selling our possessions? What happens if we're in debt? Or we don't even have anything that would be worth selling? How can we have eternal life too? The clue is always in the passage. So if you don't have your Bible already open, please do turn to page 152 to Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 30. A little pop quiz. Which of the Ten Commandments are missing in the list Jesus tells the young man? That's there. Any other guesses? The commandments Jesus lists are numbers four to eight, which the man affirms that he wholeheartedly can say he's kept. But he still knows something's missing. Because if keeping the commandments, or certainly the moral commandments, was all there were, was to eternal life, life with God, then he should be fine. But what about the five other commandments? To follow no other gods besides the one true God, to not have idols, to not take God's name in vain, to remember the Sabbath day, and not to covet others' relationships or possessions. Those first three commandments, surprisingly, that Jesus doesn't mention, are all about humanity's relationship with God. Why is it, we might ask ourselves, did Jesus not list these when he gave the list of the commandments? Because surely these are the first and most important. And there's something telling in this. Because the reason Jesus has got into this conversation with the rich young ruler is because he wanted to know how he could have eternal life. 
yet he wasn't prepared to literally pay the cost. Jesus challenges this rich young ruler to think about why he sought Jesus out, why he calls him good. Jesus is asking the rich young ruler, let's call him Bob because I'm going to keep stumbling (laughs) over myself saying that. So Jesus asked Bob to join up the dots by asking him the question, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. If the man recognises that Jesus is good, can't he see that Jesus is God? To have eternal life is to know Jesus, to follow Jesus. But following Jesus isn't easy. It requires us surrendering, like we've been singing about in our worship songs this morning, surrendering all of ourselves to God, not holding any area back. The final two commandments that Jesus doesn't mention, interestingly, are about coveting. And they are commandments to regulate humanity's desire to dominate, acquire, and ultimately be unsatisfied with our own relationships and possessions. Money can become a god. We only need to look around us and see that to be successful in the eyes of the world means to be famous, to be an influencer, to be a pop idol, to aspire to having the bigger and the better and the latest make and model and to have a fat bank balance. To be content is countercultural. Rather, the message of the adverts that we're constantly bombarded with is that the only way we can be happy is to acquire more, to covet the latest gadgets, clothing, or the relationship status of someone else. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says that you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus doesn't condemn wealth, but he does warn of its dangers. If money becomes our idol, our God, which means we don't rest and take a Sabbath because we're frantically pursuing a life of acquiring wealth, possessions or status, we aren't serving God. This was the rich young ruler's problem. His trust was in his money and his possessions. They were his first love not God. And Jesus has identified this as skillfully as a surgeon's knife, exposing Bob's inner thoughts and intentions. Jesus's word cuts to the heart of what is holding Bob back from following him, his money. Yet Mark's narration of this encounter is found in um, Mark, Matthew, Mark and Luke um, between Jesus and Bob tells us that Jesus looks at Bob with compassionate love because Jesus is not unable to sympathise 
with our weaknesses. Jesus had been tempted to hold on to all that he had. Jesus, the son of God who spoke the world into existence, the whole world belongs to him. And Jesus, in the temptations in the desert, he could have held on to that position. Yet Jesus resisted the temptation to hold on to his wealth as king of the universe. And instead, he humbly chose to share it with us. He emptied himself of his wealth and chose to enter our human existence as the weakest the most vulnerable of all. A little baby born into a working class family and growing up not in a palace, but in a poor proverbial backwater of the Roman Empire, knowing homelessness and hunger, suffering all kinds of temptations and trials, yet all without sinning. Worst of all, Jesus lost his life in a humiliating, agonising death, weakly hanging from nails, tearing through his skin on the cross, gasping for breath as he slowly suffocated. Yet Jesus, fully human, fully God, was prepared to pay this cost for humanity. God was prepared to die so that we might live, so that we might have eternal life, a life lived to the full following Jesus. I heard someone say once that Jesus was constantly on the move from ages 30 to 33. For three years, he was on a journey to the most costly sacrifice ever made. When Bob encounters Jesus, Jesus is setting out on a journey, on a journey to Jerusalem. His final destination, death on a cross, outside Jerusalem's city gates. Jesus had counted the cost. He knew this journey would result in his death, but he was prepared to make that journey to pay that price, a price that we could never pay. We could never buy eternal life. It's humanly impossible. And this is again where Bob has missed the point. He thought eternal life was another possession to be acquired. And he misses out on an invitation awaiting a response. And Jesus went on, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Come, follow me. This is the eternal life, the following Jesus. This is the climax in the encounter between Bob and Jesus in the story. It's not the kick in the guts to sell all your possessions and give to the poor, but the invitation, come 
follow me. Jesus' challenge to Bob isn't about his bank balance, it's about where his heart is. And this invitation can be a call to costly sacrifice, as Jesus' disciples were only too keen to point out at the end of our passage. In verse 28, Peter pipes up, look, we've left our homes and followed you. To be a follower of Jesus in AD 30 to 33, you needed to be on the move too. You needed to be prepared to leave home and set out on an uncertain journey that only Jesus seemed to have the master road map for. Most of Jesus' first disciples weren't wealthy. They were fishermen, working class, but they were willing to give up their previous work when they heard Jesus calling them into a new thing. So what about us? We might find it difficult to relate to the rich young ruler, especially if we are just trying to make ends meet. The point of this encounter is that money was the obstacle in Bob's way of accepting Jesus' invitation to follow him. But it could have been anything. Bob saw money as more valuable than eternal life, life with God. And this is what stopped him from accepting Jesus' invitation. But I want to suggest that we can all find ourselves in Bob's shoes, as a camel staring through the eye of a needle, wondering how on earth we can squeeze through. Following Jesus does involve a cost. It might not be financial, especially if we're already struggling with debt. But following Jesus involves a cost when we choose to make Jesus the centre of our lives. Following Jesus does make demands on our time, on our values, on our priorities, and our very core identity. But that cost is not without a reward. So really we can view the cost that Jesus calls us to in terms of our time, our values, our identity, sure, our money, but most importantly, our whole life as an investment into God's bank, where inflation doesn't exist, but God's generous interest does. During this invest campaign, what might God be calling you to? The call to come follow me may involve sacrifice on our journey with Jesus. We may have to leave things behind that weigh us down or hinder our progress or block our view but Jesus has made the most costly of all sacrifices. And he gives us the same promise that he gave to Peter at the end of our passage. If we are called to give anything up, so much more will be given back to us, often in unexpected and surprising ways. Most importantly, 
accepting Jesus's call to follow him means eternal life, entry into the kingdom of God. I want to finish by sharing something of my story with you this morning. God spoke to me powerfully, actually, through this passage when I was exploring uh, training for ordination and where I should go to study. And it was through verses 29 to 30. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive, sorry, poor typing, as many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. And that's a passage I'd read lots and lots of times before. But the word house, I'd never kind of taken notice of it and it kind of punched me in the forehead when I read it because I didn't want to leave London. I didn't, it's the city I was born in, it's my home, I'd never left London Yet God was challenging me to be prepared to go, to give up what was known and safe and familiar to me and to move across the country to Bristol where I didn't know anybody, I didn't have any family, I didn't have any friends and to embark on this madcap crazy plan that was never mine. Um, But Jesus called And I knew that I had to respond and follow. For each of us, the sacrifices God asks us to make in following him will look different. The disciples knew what it was to leave behind previous professions and livelihoods as they responded to Jesus' call to follow him. They may well have lost friends and family and suffered persecution which is a very real possibility for those who come to faith in Jesus from other faiths. But Jesus promises that whatever we lose for his sake, we will gain in him. Most importantly, a life spent with Jesus. And if we have lost members of our family because they've disowned us because of our belief in Jesus, we have gained brothers and sisters in Christ. We've become part of the church, God's family. Jesus never claims following him is going to be easy. His word cuts to our core. It exposes our idols, our gods, that get in the way of following him. And it asks us if we really believe that following Jesus is worth any price he might ask of us. So this morning, our response is up to us. Will we walk away full of sorrow from Jesus like Bob? Or will we respond to Jesus' invitation? Come, follow me. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. 
and do check out our website stjohnshoxton.org.uk for more information.